0: And now it's my pleasure to introduce our brother in the Lord, Pius, who you may have heard was from Uganda and came here and became a believer and now is on his way back to his home to serve the Lord there. Isn't that cool how God calls missionaries and they don't even know? <laughs> so Pius, um, why don't you come on up and and share with the ladies? You can bring your Coke up here if you want to. <laughs>
1: Uh, What a joy. uh, Once again, it's an honor for me to be with you today. And uh, it's such a joy to be in a room uh, where we are so like-minded and we are all focused on one purpose, to honor and glorify our glorious Savior. I have a map here, uh, which is a map of Africa. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't even realize that Africa as a country has 1.3 billion people. Some people, sometimes people don't even know that. Not only 1.3 billion people, but Africa is divided in 55 different countries. And one of those countries is this tiny country of Uganda. So I was born in Uganda and um, Uganda is almost the size of Oregon here in the United States. The only difference between Uganda and the States, the population of Uganda is around 40 million. And Oregon is about 3.8, 3.9, so almost 10 times. Now, the only problem to this, half of this population is under the age of 15. So... You have 40 million, but a half of this population is under 15. So we had a problem in Africa in the 90s, and the, the 90s were really bad. We had AIDS swept over the country. So most of the parents died and the kids stayed. And then uneducated, unemployment in Uganda is 83%. So it's not a good picture. So (laughs) Uganda um, is next, is bordered by Sudan in the north, southern Sudan, and then Kenya to the east, Tanzania to the south, and the Congo to the west. Then we have Rwanda and Burundi, and um, that's the capital city of Uganda, Kampala, I know most of the time when you talk about Africa, a lot of people think it's the jungle, but it's not. So that's the capital city of Kampala. So, um, the reason why I put it Grace Church Kampala is to show grace. That city needs grace. Because if you have young people running around, no education, with such unemployment, there is always a disaster to happen. And I believe the only hope to minimize and tame what is going on in Africa. It's going to be the gospel, because the gospel is hope. And our brothers there, they need the gospel. But I wanted to to share my story, how I came to America. Um, It was in 2003 that I came to this country. I was one of those spoiled kids in Uganda, My purpose was aimless. I used to travel all over the place. This is very rare to a lot of kids in in Uganda. But for me, I was traveling all over the time. I could go to Hong Kong. Part of my family lives in London. So I was doing that purpose with no purpose. So in 2003... One of my friends came, he came to America in, in 1999. So he was telling me a lot of good stories about the USA. So I was like, hey, why not? I should come to America. I had no purpose, completely non believer. So I came to the US. And when I came here, I didn't see what he was explaining to me. I thought America is heaven. But when I came here, it was not heaven. And it was Hollywood, which was shocking to me. But then I told him I'm going back because my family has a flower business there. We're doing okay. And I was doing fine. I was going back. So when I told him I'm going back, he's like, how do you go back to Africa? 99.9% of Africans want to come to America. You come here and you want to go back? That's not... No more. Why do you do that? He's like, if you want to go, why don't you get a green card? Then you will go back. Then you can always come. You can do business. You can do whatever you want. And I said, how can I get a green card? And he said, oh, it's easy here. He knew my parents had money over there. He said, just call your parents, tell them to give you money. You'll come. And I said, sure. He said, yep. You get a green card in about four to five months. I said, how do you do that? He said, just bring the money, leave everything to me. Oh. So I called and they sent the money for sure. So, what he did, there's some ladies in America, I don't know, it's a scheme going on. So, you could marry somebody and then get a green card. And um, that's what he did. So, that was in 2003 when I came here. I came here in September. In technically. <laughs> technically. <laughs> so, it is very funny. Yeah. You know, that's. <laughs> That's one of the things, and when I look back at my past, it depresses me. But my future excites me, and that's what the gospel does. So I got into this deal, and then I got all the paper for sure. So I stayed, and then in 2004, I went back to Uganda. I had the green card. In 2005, I came. So when I came with my friend, he got me a job. And the job he gave I, I got was to work as a security guard. This was completely the opposite of the life I was living in Uganda. But that was all I could get. And it's so amazing that God used that job to get to know him. Because... At that job, I used to work from midnight to eight, but this particular day, uh, the gentleman called off at this particular location in Glendale, in the city of Glendale. I'd never even been to Glendale, but they called me when I was getting off at eight, That would you come and work overtime in Glendale? I'm like, oh, I've never been to Glendale. They gave me the direction, then I went. But when I got to this building, city bank in Glendale, the building there, and I met this gentleman, and he was like, "Do I? Did you take my friend's job?" I'm like, "Who is your friend?" He's like, "My friend who stands here is not you, and is not here, which means he took your his job." I'm like, "I don't know your friend. I don't know you." I said, "But you have an accent. Where are you from?" Then I told him, "Oh, actually, I'm from Uganda." He started to jump, and I thought something is not right with him. So he's just jumping, but he was jumping out of excitement because. Uh, One of the missionaries at that time, Shannon Hurley, was in Uganda. And uh, my friend, his name is Byron Dicheros, had committed to go and serve him for one year in Uganda. But he didn't even know where Uganda is, and he had never seen anybody from Uganda. So now to see a guy at his door at work from Uganda was very exciting to him. He's such a faithful brother with the gospel. And then he started asking me questions. So how long have you been here? I've been here like three years by that time. He's like, oh, do you go to church? And I told him, oh, I don't go to church. So he was disappointed, but he, he wanted to navigate that. How can he make me to go to church? So we started to talk. And um, my friend, because I come from Africa, Life in Africa is completely the opposite of America. So I told my friend, there's this guy here. He's very funny. He has invited me actually to have lunch with him. He's like, hey, you are in America. This is not Uganda. Because men can marry men. That's not normal in Uganda. So he told that. I I was scared with this kind of. I'm like, what are you talking about? But something was genuine about him. And um, he came the second time. And what happened that day when he told me, hey, can we grab lunch? I want to know about Uganda. Please tell me stories. He didn't come back. I, I didn't see him. So he thought he missed me. This guy left. He didn't even get my number, everything. But God, in his timing, they sent me to that location the following day. So when he phoned me, he was so excited. It's like, hey, I didn't get your number. First, give me your number. I want to get your contact. Then we can get to talk. So we went to lunch that day, and then we started to talk. He was sharing his life. I'm a believer. I go to church, and he told me his church is down in North Hollywood. I was living just about seven minutes away from Grace Church. And by that time, I'd been in America two years. I didn't even know that there was a church here. And I used to pass here because there is that synagogue there. So I thought it's part of that because the way it's built, it's not like a church that I'm used to. So he said, yeah, that's my church. So he started inviting me to come. And uh, every time he could invite me, I turned him down. So I met him in June. He invited me for all of June, Bible study, meeting in North Hollywood, please come. And I said, no. July. July. Continued to invite me. I said no. So in August, it was too much. I said, I'll just go with this one more time. Maybe this guy will just give up. So I came. <laughs> and that time, the Bible study he was going to, it's called the Foundry, was meeting in this very room. So <laughs> when I came that day, I was very late. And when I came to this uh, room, they passed, they said, all the new visitors to stand up. I didn't even sit with him. So Was obvious it was me, the visitor there. So they wanted me to talk about myself. And that shocked me. I never spoke anywhere, and to do this in this kind of setting was so disturbing. And I said, I will never come back. That was it. So so I stood up, I told them my name. I don't remember anything else. So After the service here, we went to the main service with one of his friends. And then when we were there, I was captivated by the choir. Because the way they were singing in that choir was so amazing to me. I was a non-believer by that time. But this thought came to me that if this choir can sing this good, how will it be in heaven when it is angels singing? I was a non-believer. But already I said I will not come back. And that was it. So I left and um, he continued to ask him, hey, how was the church? How was it? And I'm like, it's okay. That's fine. That was it. So July, I mean, August, September, November, he, he never stopped calling me every week. Please come to church. And I said, no, all the time. But in November, a week before Thanksgiving, he invited me that my friend, is, my roommate is getting married. I would like you to come and be at the wedding. And the wedding was in San Diego. We studied about San Diego in Uganda in classes. I didn't know where that was. I said, it's close by. And I'm like, that was what I I wanted to see, San Diego and the wedding in America. My family does flowers in Uganda. I'm like, I want to see that. That was what attracted me to go with him. And we went. So when we sat in, in that car from North Hollywood, he had all the stories. But then when we reached around the airport at LAX, he said, hey, Pius, do you see how fast this guy's moving? One slight tire, bus, we are all dead, and you are going to die too. I'm like, why do you say that? It's like, no, <laughs> it's, it's true, we can all die today, and, uh, but the, that's the bad news for you. The good news for us, we know where we are going. I'm like, how do you know when you are dead? He's like, no, we know because we are Christians. And do you know Jesus Christ? I'm like, okay, how do you know him? He's like, oh, le- let me tell you. They began from LAX to San Diego. <laughs> and, and then coming back, by the time I came out of that car, it was so clear to me that if I died that day, I was heading to hell. There was no, there is no negotiation. It was over. And that scared me. So I could not wait to get to my room that night to pray that, God, if you are there, I want to know you. That's the day which changed my life. And it was a week before Thanksgiving. Now, this is a guy, the wedding was on Friday. This guy used to call me every day to come to church. That week, he didn't even call me. I just came by myself to church. And when I came here, I understood what the pastor was teaching. He was in the book of Luke. I do not remember the passage, but I understood. And even he said, hey, we are having our family uh, service in the evening. I heard that. I didn't hear that the first time I came. So in the evening, I came back. And when I came, I sat next to a lady in the church, she could tell that I had no idea what is going on because we're singing through the hymnals and I didn't know what is going on. So she was, "Do you, are you new here? <laughs> I'm like, yes. I was here in the morning. Now I came back and she said, oh, okay, this is the hymnal. And I was like, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I don't live far from here, but yeah, this is Kim. So she gave me her hymnal and she said, oh, so next week is Thanksgiving. You have your family? I'm like, no, it's only me. It's like, by the way, what is that? What is Thanksgiving? I had no idea what it is. She's like, you don't know Thanksgiving? Like, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm from Uganda. We don't have that. She's like, whoa, Thanksgiving is the day when we thank God for what he has done and such a wonderful day for families and friends. Like, oh, wonderful. Then she made it this uh, amazing invitation now i grew up in africa and africa is a country surrounded by jungles so i'm used to that jungle but when i came to grace church i landed on another jungle (laughs) because there are too many people everywhere and how can even how can you know somebody here But I was stunned that that one day I sat next to a lady and the first thing she said was to invite me to her house. I didn't even know to read the Bible, to check where they were talking about. So I was completely non-believer. But she was so loving that she extended that invitation to her house. That crushed me. Because what we know as a black man in America is completely the opposite of what she did. She's a white woman. She had every excuse. This guy's an unbeliever. I don't know why he's here. Stay away. But she extended that invitation to her house. I didn't even know what Thanksgiving was. That showed me a different picture from this church. Her name, by the way, is Carol Crawford. So... That was an amazing testimony of grace. So I went to her house, and uh, I was most interested in making money on Thanksgiving than dinner. But she gave me the best gift I've ever received. She gave me a MacArthur Study Bible. I'd never read the Bible before, but she gave me a Bible. And uh, I could not stay with the family for dinner, but I had the Bible and she gave me some food. So I left, but at work, because there was nobody there. I was reading this Bible and my life was starting to change. So that same year, I was going back to Uganda. And when I went, I had my Bible and I told my parents, I think I'm a believer now. And my, parent, my dad is a Catholic. My mom is Anglican. It's kind of Catholicism. It's Church of England. So they had no idea what is happening to this guy. I think America has just bewitched you. Something is wrong with you. <laughs> Thank you for what they happened. But sorry, we don't even understand. That was it. So I came back here. And when I came back, I started to come to Bible study. And there is a gentleman by, na- by the name of Bo Nelson. He started to teach me the Bible. Do you read the Bible, but do you really understand what the Bible means? And we went to the book of Hebrews. Just the first chapter was just enough for me to unlock who Christ is. And this was so magnificent. I was like, how come I didn't know all of this? And that started the journey for me. So, But I had this question in my mind, how can God be gracious to a man who is living a lie? I'm like, can he really forgive me? And then I came to this guy. I want to be a Christian, but do you know what I did? He's like, what do you mean? It's like, I married this woman. I don't even know her. Paid the money. I'm married to her for the green card. What do I do? It's three years later almost. It's like, I've never had that before. <laughs> <laughs> how can you get married to somebody you don't know? I was like, hey, I don't know, too, but it happened. And have... So he said, huh, I'll have to ask somebody here. So he came. I think he talked to some of the pastors here. And they said, bring this guy in. And then we talked to him. So when I came and um, I met with the pastor by that time, his name is uh, Adam Ciappolone. And Adam told me that, hey, Pius, if you want... Uh, Thank you, first of all, to tell us that because everybody would just mask that. But hey, thank you for telling us. But that, I want to give you some good news and some bad news. And bad news, one, they're going to put you on the plane. You are going back to Uganda because you lied to the American government. And I'm like, wow, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> but the good news... You are now a believer. Even when you go back to Uganda, you will be a believer. God is a forgiving God. And he took me to the book of Romans. Romans 8.1 says that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he took me to Psalm 51. And he said this psalm was written by a man who was guilty. But in the verse 4, he said that to you, you only have I sinned. And he said, your sin is not against the American government, but to God. And what you have to do is to go back to the American government and tell them what you did. I'm like, how do I even do that? I say, yeah, if you're a believer, you have to do it. If you told me, you can tell them. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. Keith didn't think I can do that. And he said, hey, if God wants you here, you will be here. If he doesn't, then he'll send you away. But he said, doing the right thing is always the best. And I, I ask you to do the right thing. Who knows? Then I did that. I called the government. It was very awkward. And I said, hey, my name is Pius. I'm now a believer. I married this woman. I don't know her. But... <laughs> <laughs> The woman holding the phone is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, we are sorry. Tell your wife to call us because she is the America. She's the one who petitioned for you. And you are not. We don't know who you are. Sorry. And she straight off the phone. I came back and I told Adam, this is what they said. What do I do? It's like, do you know where she is? I'm like, I paid the money. I don't know where she is. It took another almost two years to find her. Because the guy, I gave the money, had to look for this woman. And the thing was, because it was almost three years later, when I finally met him, I said, hey, I'm born again, and I just want to tell you I'm so sorry for what happened, but I'm now a believer. I just want to do it right. He's like, What are you talking about? I think in her mind, the guy said, she thought I want my money back. So, <laughs> but this is two, three years later. She's like, okay, I've never met you. You're a wicked man. Get out of my face. Turn off the phone, change everything. And that was the end of the story. I've never met her. I don't know where she is. And that was the end of the story. So I came back and they said, hey, I talked to her. It's like what do we do from here? So it's like okay, I don't know. So Adam went and that continued to be my life. But um, in two thousand and eight I came and I say, what do I do? And they say, Hey, you have to do a divorce. She's not your wife, she's not married to you, she's not there's no physical relationship in any way. It was and they shared that, you know, maybe that's your sin, but let me tell you about my life. I'm a sinner too. And if God can forgive me, can forgive you too. And that's the gift of grace to all of us. So that was the end of the journey. And in 2008, I was baptized here at Grace Community Church. That, when I was baptized, there was a group which was going to Uganda on a short-term mission. And um, that trip changed my life. I grew up in Uganda, but... What the missionary did, Shannon, you know, it, it's, it's, it's different for somebody who grew up in America to go to Africa. Now, sometimes it kind of feels um, good to shock people who are coming into a new country. And I think that's what he did. So he took us to this main hospital in the capital city, Kampala. I grew up in Africa. I'd never been to this hospital because we used to go to private hospital and never been there. But as a Ugandan, I was crushed. In this room, all you could see is death. We met like five young kids, about three to four years old. But each of these kids, their eyes were plucked out. Not because they had a terrible disease or just a simple eye infection. But in Africa, that's a sentence, to lose your eye. I was crying. I didn't know why this is happening. Then everywhere we went, it was disturbing. I was like, why did I come here? Why did I'm, an, I'm a Ugandan. They spoke the same language like me. They can be my brother. They can be my sister. They can be every relative you can ever have. But I was completely removed from them. That day, I didn't know what to say. I could see the physical poverty, But what was more disturbing is the spiritual bankruptcy that surrounded my countrymen. Now, I could give somebody $100 or whatever I had in me, but that would not take away the pain in their lives. Jesus himself said that the poor will always be with you in John 12. He said that, which means they're always going to be there. But you and me, what we share in this room, is a stewardship stewardship of the gospel. That all that is going to stand at the end of the age is what we have communicated to those who are in darkness I was a new believer at that time. I didn't know how to communicate the gospel. But you can see the connection between the men in Uganda and the men in America. In America, you bring the gospel to a PhD, and they give you an answer that you're a fool. Believe me, even in Uganda, the bankrupt who have nothing, if they are not God's elect, the answer from a man who has never been to school and the PhD from UCLA, It is shockingly the same. If you are in this room, it's not because you are smart or intelligent. It is because God chose you. So when he said that I have many people in this city or around the world, he has his people, a certain group of people. And your job and my job is to go and share the word. His sheep knows his voice and they will always come. That's what started my journey that if I can be a witness, I can't give them money, I don't have it, but I have the message of life, the gospel. And that started my journey. When I came back, I applied to go to seminary and then I graduated. And now I've been given this privilege by this church to go back and become a witness to our Savior. That's the beauty of the gospel. Now, most of us in this room, we've been pursed with that stewardship. I know as somebody who is from Africa and who is going to Africa, it is even sad for me to say this, but at some point we have to be honest to each other. The gospel is a stewardship. It's a message we are going to present to our Savior. I know I said it's easy for you and me to sign a check to a married a woman somewhere unknown because it's a missionary. But the question I have for you today, are you asking questions to the men you are signing these checks to that? What are you doing about the message all day? How do you call it? the flag you are carrying. Now, this could be shocking to you, but the first missionary went to Africa in 1840. 176 years later. It's so easy and common for you to hear this statement. Africa is a mile wide and an inch deep. How many have heard that statement? That has to shock you, that has to shame you, that has to embarrass you as a Christian. Because it's like me telling you I have four kids, my oldest is 45 and is in kindergarten. And you are smiling saying that to me. Does that make sense? Because you cannot be 176 and you are a mile wide and an inch deep. Who are we sending? And are they communicating the message you are sending them to communicate? Are we planting the seed that we are supposed to plant? And are we asking the questions? The gospel is a stewardship issue. Friends, it's not romantic for me to send you a picture from Uganda with some orphans somewhere, and then you are so emotional and say, I'm going to sign a check for you. Are you preaching the gospel? That has to be the question you have to ask the men and women you are sending. But because we don't even talk to our neighbor, we just come with our garage, it goes up and down. Hey, how am I going to question a man? who is living in a darker continent somewhere where I can't even go, I can't even figure where that is. Don't be guilty, guys, about people who go. Ask me, what are you doing, Pius? I'm sending you. You are an employee. Most of you, you invest money in America. At the end of the year, the company can't say, hey, guy, it was a wonderful year. We made a penny for you. And then you put your money there, right? What about the gospel? This is the message of life. Are we asking questions? Friends, it's not about rolling out the red carpet to the men. It's about investing into a return whereby you are accountable. I am accountable. But are you asking questions? It's a good discussion. We may disagree on certain ways, but please You are responsible before your Savior. You are going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. I'm not saying every mission is not doing what they are supposed to do. But again, it's not a bad thing for us to ask questions. We are accountable to our pastors. They ask you, how is your work with Christ? How about us to ask the men we send as well? Is that too much to ask? Or we just feel guilt and keep signing the checks. I want at the end of the day to stand before my Savior. And then he's going to say, well done. I don't want my investment to be worthless before my Savior. Because it's not about you signing the check. It's about knowing that my savior is honored, even with my resources passing to me. If you are not going, somebody's over there. You are holding the rope with him because that's what you are doing. That is the stewardship. But are you asking questions? Friends, this is not a joke. I've just told you it is 15%, 50% of these populations under 50. This is only Uganda. But the same is true in Rwanda. We are not even talking about Rwanda. They just had a genocide. It's terrible. I have a brother who is a missionary in Burundi. Go and see what they are doing there. We need more of these men. I just went and visited them. This group, they are all Americans. All of them. They're Americans. Do you know what these guys are doing? They're changing life in Africa. All of them from America. We need more of them. But not only the physical. We in Africa, what is looking for is that message of hope. I'm afraid, I don't think this message is getting through very well. And the most disturbing part, we are part of that group, which is not questioning who are representing us. Friends, I'd rather be ashamed before you because you are sinners like me, but I don't want to be ashamed when I stand before my Savior and he says, I never knew you. So the gospel is a stewardship. Each and every one of us is accountable. So I want you to take back that accountability and say, Lord, am I really investing in the kingdom? And am I getting a return for the stewardship you have passed on to me? Hopefully, you, I want you to think through this and ask yourself, am I a good steward of my Savior's message? So, that's my journey, and it's been such a joy to learn the gospel from this church. I didn't even have to go to seminary to tell you. Pastor Jones' message there, just enough. You go to his church, you are deep, you have theory, it's nailed down. The only difference, are you living out what he's teaching? <laughs> Some of us don't even know that even coming to this church, is enough to condemn you. Because you have no excuse that I don't know. You know the truth. You are being taught the truth. But are you living out the truth? Pastor John is passing on to you Sunday after Sunday. Again, I want to remind you that you are responsible. You are going probably to the most Old church on the planet today. But how are you living out the message you hear every week? Are you a good steward? Are you passing on the message that what is being given to you? I mean, crystal clear, well done. Are we living out the message of the gospel? So The Lord has been so gracious to me and um, it's such Um, an amazing testimony of his grace that he would bring me from Uganda. The man did not even have to pay any money to find me. I was just at his workplace and I'm very sure that opportunity is before each and every one of you in this room. The question is, are you utilizing that stewardship? To those around you. Again, we have the message of life. We know that to be true. But it's not about you. You have, it. You have someone you are representing. Are you a good ambassador? In 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As if God himself is making an appeal through us. And Paul is saying that knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. May that be you to persuade men because the truth is you ambassadors for Christ. And when he say he made him who knew no sin on your behalf, the call to you is to rejoice because of what he has done. May he find all of us faithful at his return. God bless you.
0: Thank you so much, Pius. We need to hear that often. That's really an encouragement just to even people that we've already spoken to. I love the story of the man who called you every Saturday or every week and said, you want to go to church this Sunday? He didn't give up. And that's how we need to be. That's great. Let's pray for Pius now. Lord, thank you so much for our brother here who you brought from Uganda and Thank you the, for the work you've done in His heart and His mind. Thank you for who you are, Lord, for having compassion on all of us, Lord. We're all sinners, and uh, we are undeserving of Your grace and Your love. And yet, You love us, and You You've forgiven us, and and You You have made us all ambassadors and. Lord, we pray especially for Pius as he's preparing to go back home to his, his own country, Lord. And we just pray that you would provide for his needs there, Lord, um, the building, Lord, that they would need and uh, just opportunities there with people. And we just pray that you would give him wisdom and who he works with and uh just in the teaching and preaching and the logistics of everything, Lord, and who we pray for men like him that would want to honor you and serve you and preach your word, Lord, so that people would not just be hearing about um, just the gospel, but that they would grow strong and that they also would be able to tell others about you, Lord, and that that these Christian brothers and sisters there in Uganda and all over Africa would have a deeper faith, Lord, and understand the whole word. We just pray. We just pray, Lord, that you would be glorified there. And that we would, as a people, not reject you, but that, that people would uh, desire you in their lives and be thankful for you. And appreciate you, Lord, for who you are. Great and glorious. In your name we pray. Amen.